The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. We are ready and we are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy in talk. And speaking of back, he is back. He is Dr. Robert Shapiro, chairman of Sonicon, an economic advisory firm and a senior fellow of the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. Now, he brings broad knowledge and experience in economics and politics based on his government experience, his service and his decades of conducting analysis and providing advice to U.S. presidents, senators, representatives and governors, as well as foreign leaders and senior executives at numerous Fortune 100 companies. His views are respected in the United States and worldwide, and he has helped develop numerous policies that affect investment, taxation, regulation, trade, and government spending, both here and abroad. Check out his website. It's sonicon.com, S-O-N-E-C-O-N.com, and his handle on X is at Rob Shapiro, R-O-B-S-H-A-P-I-R-O. Um, love uh, having you with us, Dr. Shapiro. Miss you. A belated happy uh, new year, and thank you. Uh, for being with us. It's Um, It's my pleasure, Leslie. uh, You write a lot of great uh, economic pieces. And uh, this latest one that Mark actually had had read, passed over to me, I read, and we were like, we've got to get him on and talk about this, and especially with the uh, timeliness of this. Um, in, In Washington Monthly, right? Data don't lie. Biden's economic record is much better than Trump's. Now, I will just say, you know, you all know I'm a Fox News contributor. And I am a liberal Democrat. And, um, well, you know, when 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 you have um, Larry Kudlow, you know, saying Biden has a right to boast, you know, <laughs> uh, on the Fox Business Network and economic wonk himself uh, has a right to boast about uh, this uh, economy. You know that the president is doing something right and the economy is going in the right direction. The title of your piece, Data Don't Lie, Biden's economic record is much better than Trump's. We're going to get to that. But before we do, let me ask you this. So why is what it's the economy stupid for voters when we are in the year of the general election, although we are nearly a year away, it's getting closer. Why don't the approval ratings of the president and even approval ratings and confidence on the economy increase among voters? Is it that they're not feeling that data as of yet? No, I think they're feeling the data. But. Uh, particularly on incomes, Uh, incomes turned around about a year ago. You know, incomes, uh, when you get a sudden burst of inflation, incomes take a while to catch up. They have caught up in the last year. And real incomes, that is adjusted for inflation and after taxes, rose at a 3.3% rate last year. But the public, when, when... when things like that change, it takes a while for the public to trust it. That is, will it, will it keep on going on? And it's clear from the economic data that it is going to keep on going on. And I think within three to, three to four months, we're going to see those numbers change significantly. Consumer sentiment uh, has been moving up very strongly. Um, and we are beginning to see the first polls uh, in which people say the economy is fine for me. When, when they ask, how is it overall? We still have this view that 
the economy is not great. Um, and but uh, it'll take another couple months of the kind of data we've been seeing on incomes, at least for the last year, I think, for people to really trust it. But all the underlying forces that drive incomes, that's growth and investment and spending and business creation and employment, all of those have been doing really well throughout Biden's presidency, but inflation was masking it. Uh, but we've now pretty much beaten inflation. Yeah. Now, uh, Donald Trump, the former president, is looking at a second presidential term. And uh, you write that may well rest on whether voters accept his proposition that facts no longer matter. I think a lot of his MAGA base really do not consider facts to matter. I mean, if Donald Trump says it, you know, they believe it. They believe the election was stolen. Uh, they believe that he won Iowa over and over in New Hampshire, over and over. And, you know, that that wasn't uh, the case. So, uh, you know, he didn't win because uh, he talked about winning New Hampshire in the primary and the general. No, he won it in the primary. He did not win it in the general. Joe Biden did, who is president. You know, I mean, it's one as, of did Hillary, as did Hillary. Yeah, yeah, exa exactly. <laughs> um, so it, the 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 facts of economics, you know, there there are facts and then there's perception. Right. And a lot of the Trump voters have the perception that things were better for them when he was president, regardless of what the yes. numbers say. Yes. That alone could work in Donald Trump's favor, regardless of this economy and how it's booming. Right. Well, I think that's right. But I think it's a result of the, the intense political polarization we have now in which uh, the MAGA followers simply will not accept any good news associated with Democrats and President Biden. Um, but, you know, the, the MAGA followers, like the Democratic base, they're not enough to elect a president. You have to get the people in the middle. You have to get the independents. That's what makes the difference. It's made the difference in every presidential election for the last 40 years. And... Um, uh, and those people uh, are willing to listen to facts and, more important, know their own conditions. <laughs> know yeah. that things, and, things and, and Yeah, facts matter in what's in their, their number one issue. It could be the economy, could be immigration, could be Israel and Gaza, could be abortion, could be uh, protecting democracy, right? Those are the top five. Um, so... When you look at um, the the numbers, since we want to deal with facts here, right? Yeah. Um, the economy was not stronger during the Trump administration compared to the Biden administration. And I'm not doing it because, oh, I hate Trump and I love Biden. I'm a Democrat. It's just two plus two is four. And when the former president says it was better in his um, uh, presidency, that's his perception rather than the reality just by the numbers, the Biden administration has had a stronger uh, first term economy. And we've got one year left, which is probably going to be stronger than the other three. Right. Yes. And, you know, look, Donald Trump's superpower is lying. And so, you know, he has created this false narrative around the economy. But, you know, the economy, how the economy performs is something we track 
very carefully, very rigorously. Not even and, day by and, day, and, minute by minute, right? <laughs> right. And so, you know, you think about growth. Um, you know, the most important fact is how much the economy grows. Well, the official data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis says that after inflation, uh, real growth has grown at an average annual rate of 3.4% since Biden took office. And Trump's record was 1.8% growth. And, you know, even if you set aside 2020 and say, well, the pandemic, it wasn't his fault, the growth collapsed, it was a global pandemic, you give him a pass. And his average then goes up to 2.8 per Trump's to 2.8% uh, a year, still trailing badly Biden at 3.4%. You know, the same thing is true for investment rates. Business, uh, American business prefers Biden's economy. Um, under Biden, real business investment, fixed business investment, has increased at a 5.4% annual rate. That's twice the 2.7% rate under Trump. And that and those numbers are just facts. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about a um, little deep dive into the polls. Perhaps the reason Biden's getting so much money and so many checks written is business people, whether they're Democrat or Republican, their party is money, right? They're the Green Party. And I don't mean Jill Stein. I mean money, right? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue with Dr. Robert Shapiro, chairman of Sonicon. And check out the website, sonicon.com, S-O-N-E-C-O-N.com. His handle on X is at Rob Shapiro, at capital R-O-B, capital S-H-A-P-I-R-O. I'm Leslie Marshall, back with, back with, Dr., excuse me, back with Dr. Shapiro and you right after this. And we are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Robert Shapiro, chairman of Sonicon, an economic advisory firm. He's also a senior fellow at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University, talking about his Washington Monthly. Data don't lie. Biden's economic record is much better than Trump's. Dr. Shapiro, thank you for holding welcome back. And before the break, you were giving us some numbers. Um, but despite those numbers, despite how strong the economy is and will be, and it seems to be, uh, growing and getting better and improving even more so, strong and getting stronger this next year. One recent survey found that voters prefer Trump over Biden on the economy, 59 to 37 percent. Is that because Trump, even though it may not be true, um, you know, screams about his economic record, even though it's not accurate, louder than Biden? Because Biden has come under criticism, even from some Democrats, David Axelrod, I think, over at CNN and some others who have said he shouldn't, you know, he should, you know, be quiet about that Bidenomics. He shouldn't coin that term. But with the economy going so strong and getting stronger, I think Bidenomics might be, you know, a good term. Remember Obamacare and, you know, former President Obama said if it succeeds, it'll be uh, called uh, the Affordable Care Act. But if it bombs, it'll be called Obamacare, right? Right. No, that's exactly right. Well, you know, part of the part of the blame, the responsibility for the public's distorted view of this lies with the economic media. Look, what I did, any economic reporter could do in a day or two of digging into the data. It's not a secret, but the economic media have been lazy and they have swallowed this in part, I think, because 
of public sentiment and the public sentiment is driven has been driven almost entirely by inflation um, and because inflation is what made incomes lag for a while and it was something that people confront every time they went to the gas tank every time they went to the grocery store but the fact is inflation we have essentially broken inflation uh, and that will be very clear throughout this year um, you know our inflation rate is now the most uh, accurate and an important measure puts it under 3%. Even the CPI is around 3%, you, uh, which is the lowest of any advanced country in the world. And we broke the inflation without slowing the economy. It's not a soft landing. There was no landing. The economy just kept on expanding. Um, and, um, and the fact is, you know, there's new research from the Federal Reserve which shows that 60% of the inflation can be traced to the supply chain problems that created shortages in goods and inputs in particular that was caused by the pandemic. So if Trump deserves a pass on growth for the pandemic, so does Biden. The other, the other interesting fact that is almost never reported is that the other big factor in inflation was energy prices. And that was driven by Saudi Arabia, who decided to limit production in 2021 and 2022 and into 2023 in order to make up to boost prices and make up for their losses in 2020 when oil fell to $36 a barrel. Well, the reason energy prices have been going down is because U.S. production overwhelmed the Saudis. You know, from 2021 to 2023, the Saudis produced on average 9.8 million barrels a day. Um, in the U.S., oil production uh, went to 11.8 million barrels in mid-2022, 12.6 million barrels in early 2023, and 13.3 million barrels per day in December 2023. Under the reception, Biden, especially among Trump supporters or people that believe um, you know, false uh, rhetoric and narratives, is that you know, we're getting, you know, we're, we're taking oil from everybody overseas. We don't want to be self-reliant. You know, uh, you know, Democrats just want to be green, green, green. They don't want to drill, drill, drill. But those numbers prove that uh, absolutely without a doubt to be false. So just to be clear, growth, jobs, investments, business creation, oil <laughs> production um, have been, the performance has been substantially better under President Joe Biden than it was under Donald Trump. Not your opinion. Those are the those are just some right. of the numbers. Just the data. And it's not just better. It is really substantially better. You know, we're talking differences in annual rates of 50 and 60 percent between Biden and Trump. You know, when you look at employment, you know, Biden has created 14.3 million jobs since he's been president. Under the Trump presidency, we lost 
2.3 million jobs. The first time that's happened since Herbert Hoover. And even if you set aside 2020 and set aside the bounce back in 2021 and just look at the first three years of Trump and the last two years of Biden, job creation under Biden is still 60%, the rate is 60% higher than the rate under Trump. This is not a close call. Well, you write that the most basic measure of the economy is how much it grows. The official data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the BEA, is clear. After inflation, real GDP has grown at a 3.44 average annual rate since Biden became president. Trump trails badly at an average of 1.8% growth. Let me play, not even devil's advocate. What about 2020? Right. 2020 was not Trump's fault, right? No, no. But it's it, not the... It's not the only year that he was president. <laughs> right, exactly. And, um, uh, and so, so what about 2017 to, to, to 2019? Like, I, I mean, would you right. say it's fair to give Trump a pass on 2020? Right. Uh, and then Trump's average growth rate, the growth rate under, under Trump from 2017 through 2019 goes to 2.8%. That is still a lot lower than the 3.4% average under Biden. So even before the pandemic. Even before the pandemic. And right. that's true on business investment, on business creation, on employment. It's true on every basic measure of the economy. We're going to take a break. We'll be back and continue talking about the economy because that's what voters across the board care about. But you also care about the facts. If you're going to vote, and you should, you need to be an informed voter. Don't just listen to what the politicians say. Listen to what the economists say, because they've got the numbers. And when you've got people, even Larry Kudlow, saying, hey, you know, oh, actually, um, yes, actually, uh, Robert, I forgot, Dr. Shapiro, we are done with you. I forgot your guest one. We have guest two coming up. My apologies. We're going to have you back, because I want to talk more about these figures, and I want to talk more about the growth that seems to continue. Dr. Robert Shapiro, chairman of Sonicon. Uh, please check out his website, sonicon.com, S-O-N-E-C-O-N.com. And on uh, X, formerly Twitter, follow him there, at Rob Shapiro, capital R-O-B, capital S-H-A-P-I-R-O. Love you, buddy, and we'll talk to you again soon. Anytime, Leslie. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy in talk. Joining us in the second half of this hour is Bob Fisher. Mr. Fisher is deputy director of the Teamsters Airline Division, and they represent members in the airline industry, including mechanics, customer service agents, reservationists, simulator technicians, ramp agents, stock clerks, dispatch personnel, flight attendants, and pilots. Bob was on the show years back, 2016, so we're very excited to have him back on the show. We, ne we need not have him wait so long next time, or we shouldn't wait so long to invite him back next time. Now, the Teamsters Airline Division continues to negotiate some of the best contracts in the airline industry. And that makes Teamsters contracts and membership the best choice for airline industry employees. Over the past few years, the Teamsters airline division has focused its efforts not only on giving their members a voice in the workplace and in Washington, D.C., but also on being a voice for the American traveling public. You know, back in 1903, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters was founded. They represent 1.3 million hardworking people in the United States and Canada and Puerto Rico. Be sure to check out all they do. And if they could be right for you, go to teamster.org and you'll find more information there. Also follow them on X, formerly Twitter, also on Instagram. Their handle is at Teamsters, 
and like them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. Uh, good to have you with us today, Mr. Fisher. Thank you for joining us and welcome back. Sorry it took so long to get you back. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And and it's good to have you. Although you look so familiar to me, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it was 2016. So I'm glad I'm glad, <laughs> glad glad to have you with us. Um, let's talk about uh, FedEx Express. Okay, um, they are technically the largest cargo airline in the United States. Um, they've launched an organizing drive to join the Teamsters. And um, uh, by the way, I, I, I think that the entire education system in California is going to be doing that, too. I just heard on the news last night, right? Just a sidebar. But let's talk about airline. So FedEx Express, largest cargo airline in the United States, they've launched an organizing drive to join the Teamsters. And uh, these are mechanics and the related classifications at FedEx Express. First, talk about, you know, how this came about. And second, why it's significant. Oh, sure. So the last real uh, campaign for the FedEx Express mechanics was in 1993. At that time, uh, because it was an airline, a whole bunch of people were lumped into the mechanics and related class and craft. Today, we're talking about 6,000 people that are related to the aircraft mechanics. Uh, 2,400 of them are actual aircraft mechanics, and the rest are related, either facility sort mechanics, uh, mechanics that work on the trucks, or mechanics that work on ground equipment. So there's there's quite a number of people in this unit. And it's significant because this campaign took off as a grassroots effort internally, which they, makes it the easiest way to organize. Uh, the, the mechanics themselves started this campaign, and they've just come to us um, recently and asked that we help them out. Yeah. And the director of the Teamsters Airline Division, Joe Ferrara, he said, quote, I would like to personally thank everyone in the FedEx mechanics and related employees crafter class who's filled out and sent in a Teamsters Airline Division authorization card. So it can be, you know, as easy as that. Right. The response. But it's a it's a, a big movement to get to that point. And the response has been overwhelming. He said, you are on track to becoming unionized soon. Your livelihood will no longer be subject to arbitrary and unfair management discretion. How much of a pushback in this situation uh, do like the the corporate heads at FedEx give to fight against the employees, uh, you know, before and even after those Teamsters airline division authorization cards are sent in and received? FedEx is notorious for fighting organized labor. I expect nothing different here. This is going to be a massive fight, start to finish, organizing through the collective bargaining process. They're just not good actors when it comes to. Uh, their workers. And speaking of the workers, like you said, it was their campaign. I mean, this was very organic, right? That's how it, it grew. They reached out to you guys. They signed thousands of authorization cards. They took other actions to move along the process to organize. And they did this all on their own. Are we seeing more of that, not just uh, in FedEx, but with other companies in the airline industry and maybe even in other industries as well? We are. I think uh, you can trace that back to the recent victories that the Teamsters have had, like with UPS and, and other companies. We're, we're getting a lot of uh, news time because we're effective and we're, we're winning these campaigns. So the, the FedEx um, group, they reached out to us and said, hey, we would like you to organize us. And one of the things I think that was a real selling point to them Similar to them, they're losing benefits and work rules regularly. They looked at the United Airlines group, and United Airlines, since the Teamsters have taken over, 
we've uh, restored their wages. In fact, they've uh, improved 106.2% over the last 15 years. And we got back just about everything that we lost in bankruptcy for the United Mechanics. So when they saw those kind of results, they said, we really want to be aligned with you. And also they see the Teamsters organizing the technicians at Delta Airlines, right? Yes. Correct. So they say, why, why not us? We may, we may not be, you know, commercial and, you know, carrying, you know, people, but we're carrying the cargo, you know, to those people, right? Yes, absolutely. And the, the aviation world is a really small world. I know mechanics at every carrier. They know mechanics that everybody knows each other. So there is a lot of crossover between Delta and FedEx. Yeah. And again, we have to remind people, this is the largest cargo airline. You know, if you had asked me before I did research for today, I wouldn't have known that. You know what I mean? I, I just I just wouldn't have known that. I think some people might have said, you know, FedEx, you know, but this is the largest cargo airline. Um, and it, 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 is it fair to say they're the largest passenger carrier at the same time? Um, because aviation technicians um, everywhere uh, know that their craft comes with a Teamster contract, right? I mean, and they're they're being flown around, you know, along with the cargo. Yep, that's that's correct. Yeah, uh, we we touch everybody: freight, um, passengers, regionals, low cost carriers. Yeah, we we represent mechanics at all of those. Now, whether it's Delta and the technicians, whether it's United, like you had talked about, you said, "quote We're committed to fighting." for FedEx mechanics, both throughout this process and at the bargaining table, so they can get the compensation, representation, job security, and working conditions that they deserve. Are you able to talk about or touch upon some of the things that the uh, FedEx uh, cargo workers are unhappy with, uh, that they're looking for help with uh, from the Teamsters by being becoming Teamsters union members? Sure. So FedEx just shut down Los Angeles and it was a crazy process. They, there was no real seniority rules. Uh, in fact, there are two apprentice mechanics who are still at Los Angeles. When they graduate from the apprentice program, they're going to remain at Los Angeles while all these senior people have been bounced around the country or forced to take a, a buyout and, and move on. Not only that, they've degraded their retirement security. They've degraded their health care. Uh, when you uh, put up the benefits that FedEx has versus what UPS has. Their wages are pretty close, but FedEx is paying probably five or six dollars an hour more in benefits. So they're they're making that much less than the UPS aircraft mechanics. Oh wow. Yeah. So like you said, all you all you have to do is say, you know, we're unhappy with this. Well look at those guys over there. What's the difference here? And it does make a difference. It makes a huge difference when you have Somebody, you know, it, it, it to me, I liken having a union, uh, not having a union, like going to court without a lawyer. You know yeah. what I mean? You, you don't have somebody who knows the rules, right? If you're if you're on your own and you represent yourself, I, I've never seen that go well for anybody, high or low profile case, right? I mean, and isn't that what it is? I mean, because you know, for for, for a worker to sit down. Uh, you know, with a corporate. Well, first of all, it's it's very unlikely that workers are going to get to sit down uh, with any you know kind of corporation. But uh, you know, the union comes in, the Teamsters come in, and there's going to be a sit down. There's going to be a, a collective bargaining discussion at the table, and there will be an agreement reached, no matter how long it takes. Uh, you guys show that you never give up, you keep on fighting, and sometimes people have to be patient. Sometimes it's quick, you know, or quicker than you think. 
and sometimes it takes longer. Uh, but do you think that's a you know a fair assessment, a fair analogy that you know you guys you know are their representation, and if they're going it alone, they have nobody there, nobody standing in the gap, nobody walking into that courtroom with them who knows the deal, who knows the the game, if you will. Well, the workers at FedEx have tried. They've they've tried the petition management to change their benefits, and management just doesn't care. Because so. management knows the employees are, in a sense, powerless. Yes, exactly. Man- management pays attention when you have the big T coming in with you, right? They do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back in just a moment. And when we come back, I mentioned Delta. We're going to talk about Delta and some other things right after this break. We'll continue with Mr. Bob Fisher, Deputy Director of the Teamsters Airline Division. Like I said, they represent members in the airline industry across the board. In the meantime, I want you to check out Teamsters. You might say, hey, we need something like that at our workplace. Check it out. Go to Teamster.org. You'll get more information there. You can follow them on X, formerly Twitter, and Instagram. They handle at Teamsters. Like them on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Teamsters, and you'll get a lot of information. They're always putting out information. We put out their information as well. Um, Incredible organization of which uh, both my grandfathers and one of my great-grandfathers was a part of. We'll be back right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. We welcome back Bob Fisher, Deputy Director of the Teamsters Airline Division. Now, as I mentioned, they represent members in the airline industry, mechanics, customer service agents, reservationists, simulator technicians, ramp agents, stock clerks, dispatch personnel, flight attendants, and pilots. I mentioned Bob was on the show before, but it wasn't. Uh, it, it hasn't been since 2016. We got to change that up. So we're very excited to have him uh, back with us. You know, the Teamsters Airline Division continues to negotiate some of the best contracts in the industry, and that makes Teamster contracts and membership the best choice for airline industry employees. We've seen that what they've done with United. Uh, we just talked about the fight. Uh, with the largest cargo industry of FedEx Express. We touched upon Delta. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. And over the past few years, the Teamsters Airline Division has focused its efforts on not only giving members a voice in the workplace, but also in our nation's capital and being a voice for the American traveling public. The International Brotherhood of Teamsters represents over a million hardworking people here in the U.S. and Canada and Puerto Rico. Find out more information. Go to teamster.org. You'll get more information there. Also, if you follow them on X and Instagram, the handle at Teamsters, and be sure to like them on facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. Mr. Fisher, thank you for holding. Uh, Welcome back. Um, We touched upon uh, Delta Airlines. Uh, The Teamsters, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, the IAM, and the Association of Flight Attendants, uh, CWA, the AFA, um, they have come together to organize Delta Airline workers. Um, first off, how common is it for one, two, and in this case, three unions to come together to work on behalf um, or you know, to, to organize on behalf of workers like in this situation with the Delta Airline workers? You never see this. This is unique. This was uh, a brainstorm of Sean O'Brien and Rich Johnson and Sarah Nelson. They got together and put this coalition together um, I'm excited because this is the first time it's ever been tried. Delta is very much like FedEx fighting unionism for every one of their workers. They've been successful in picking off a couple of groups, the flight attendants and the fleet service in the past. And working together, I think we have a real opportunity to organize that um, whole airline and get great contracts for all of them. 
Yeah, and you guys, you know, you know aviation and you know aviation te- technicians, right? I mean, you guys represent, the Teamsters represent tens of thousands of Asia- aviation uh, techs. Um, Teamster aviation maintenance uh, technicians that you touched upon at companies like United Airlines, you also talked about UPS, UPS Air Cargo, um, they're among the highest paid in this craft, right? And, yes. um and because of you guys and because of that collective bargaining agreement, that certainly has raised the bar throughout the industry, you know, hence what's going on with Delta in this, uh, you know, uh, trifecta, if you will, with the unions and uh, what's going on uh, with uh, uh, FedEx Express. Um, do you think that President O'Brien, uh, you know, came up with this, you know, brilliant idea to have the three unions work together because this power in numbers? Yes, I believe so. I mean, it's it's clear that we're not going to succeed individually with uh, Delta. We haven't in the past. And working together, sharing resources, it, it's just an effective way to organize the airline. And this is a big number, a lot of workers, 45,000, right? Workers yes. approximately uh, that IAM, AFA, Teamsters um, are working uh, to unionize. Um, now, Talk to me about the past with Delta. Delta's been difficult to unionize in the past, right? Um, they also have the fewest union members of the four largest passenger carriers um, in Delta. Only the pilots and the controllers are unionized. Why do you think that is? Well, they've just been successful. Every time uh, somebody comes knocking on the door to try to organize at Delta, Delta throws money at it. And only in wages. Delta show, uh, throws out the big shiny object wages and doesn't do anything with the back of the book like vacation or seniority or any of those things. They just they convince people not to sign a card by giving them wage rates and then they take it away in in other ways like through their benefits and you know their retirement and all the other work rules that go along with a contract. But that's so what how has been- not what has not worked in the past is probably going to work this time because you have three unions coming to the table, three unions not willing to back down, and three unions probably telling you know their their members, um, we're not going to just say we we already know Delta's mo right, we know what they're doing and we're not going to fall for it. Um, a big part of the reason that the text, my understanding, that Delta Airlines are organizing, is because it's not. It's not the paycheck that seems to be front and center here, but more the concern about job security. Tell us what's going on with the the insecurity with regard to job security um, and the vulnerability that these techs face. Well, so it, it, it is the back of the book things, the work rules, the seniority. There's a lot of favoritism at Delta. If you're a favorite of the manager, then you're going to get better days off or the holiday off. Uh, you you may or may not get laid off in seniority order if they have a layoff. And so they're very concerned. They, they see what happens. As I said, the airline world is very small. They see what happens at United. They see what happens at uh, for the UPS mechanics. And and they're concerned. They, they think that their uh, work rules have been degraded and they have no way to um, to enforce the work rules. And so that's why they're looking for unions. And without a union, just to be clear, these Delta techs, they can be terminated at any time for any reason or no reason. Yes, correct. They are at-will employees. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about outsourcing. Outsourcing is a big problem, right, in the aircraft uh, maintenance uh, business. Um, And 
these employees don't have any protection. Not only, like you said, they can be terminated at, you know, they're at will right, and for any reason or no reason at all at any time. But there are no protections for them against outsourcing to foreign repair stations. It, is outsourcing a big issue in aircraft maintenance? It is. And it has grown uh, since around 2000, where a lot of work has gone overseas. There weren't a lot of protections in Congress. And and Delta is open to it way more than any other carrier because they have no rules. So if Delta outsources an amount or a great deal is, you know, you know, one one seems to, you know, believe of its fleet maintenance, doesn't that threaten the safety of its passengers? Uh, we argue that it does. We some of these foreign repair stations are there may be one certified mechanic overseeing 1500 or 2000 workers and signing off work for all of them. So in our mind, we don't see that as a, a safe business model. Right. And they're doing it to save money. So they're paying less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know what happens when you buy three, three T-shirts for 10 bucks after one watch. <laughs> right. It falls apart. I don't want to get on an airline that could fall apart because they were cutting corners uh, to save some money uh, by outsourcing uh, overseas. Um, Atlanta, Georgia is where Delta Airlines headquarters are. Um, they're supposedly the largest employer uh, in the city of Atlanta. Um, this would be a monumental achievement, right? Organizing a victory um, at Delta Airlines, um, not just for the aviation craft, but this would this would be a green light for the entire labor movement in the South to say, hey, if they could do it, and this is what they got, think about what we could do and what we could get. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think this would be a, a great thing for the labor movement as a whole, for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 ab- absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you have the Teamsters behind you, there's going to be more people that are going to want to fly on Delta. You know, it's going to be a win-win for Delta if they would just sit down and do what's best for their employees because it'll end up being best for their passengers. Um, and uh, the division director, the Teamsters Airline division director, again, Joe Ferrara said, this is something that's been brewing for many years. The way that Delta approaches the situation is anytime a union steps a foot on the company's property, tries to talk to the workers, the employer circles the wagons and tells everyone, we provide you with everything you need, but they don't, right? Because they don't provide, like you mentioned, seniority. They don't provide protections. They don't provide uh, that job security. So these are two of the things that you guys are going after with the other two unions at, the, at the, when you get a sit down, right? Yes. Well, and the other thing is uh, it, the CARES Act during COVID, these guys, uh, the mechanics, along with a lot of the other workers, they took a, a 20% pe- cut in pay because even though they weren't allowed to cut their pay, they cut their hours. So they took a day off their- Oh, wow. That's sneaky. Yeah. That's slimy. Very sneaky. So they pocketed- the we Delta cut your pay. Money. <laughs> we uh, never cut your pay. You're making the same per hour. Yeah, right. Exactly. Your hours in half. But you're, oh, my God. That's slimy. You know, yeah. and just think about these corporations, how much money they're making. And, you know, God forbid one technical problem can bring a plane down. I mean, you know, how, how much are you going to pay in lawsuits? Not to mention right. the humanity, right? Um, well, Waman Hawk says, we as trade unionists have the greatest job in the world. We're living our dream, making the labor movement bigger, faster, stronger. He's the Teamster Southern Region Organizing Coordinator. He said Americans are ready to fight for their union. They're ready to take back what has been snatched from them by corporate criminals on Wall Street and put into Main Street. That's not rhetoric. That's the truth. And you didn't give us rhetoric today, Mr. Fisher. You gave us the truth. But thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. Bob Fisher, Deputy Director of the Teamsters Airline Division, has been our guest once again. 
Go check out the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Over a million hardworking people here in Canada, Puerto Rico, and I know some of you listening are watching in Canada, Puerto Rico as well. Visit Teamster.org for more information. Follow them on X, formerly Twitter and Instagram, their handle at Teamsters. And be sure to like them on Facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a wonderful weekend. Mr. Fisher, I hope you have a good weekend as well. Thanks, you as well.